I have invited Lawrence Baldwin to come up. And uh, Lawrence is married to Marilyn, and he's a proud father of Ezra, which is a really cool dude he should be. And uh, Lawrence is going to come and tell us about his experience at uh, the Encounter God weekend last weekend that uh, some of our folks went to. So, Lawrence, just go for it. Share what God's putting on your heart. Is this on? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Encounter God uh, uh, workshop or weekend uh, was actually two, uh, two days, well, extended more, but the part that I participated in was uh, the Friday evening and Saturday day. Um, talk about, uh, Rick, you mentioned you were a slow learner, and uh, I was made aware that I was a very slow learner as well through this. Basically what it was is uh, uh, getting right with God um, in terms of uh, um, living in obedience to, to Him and um, being aware that there are forces out there that are wanting to shipwreck our faith. Um, we all start off with well, our faith, it seems, and uh, we're young over God, and then things creep in, um, sins creep in in our lives and, and push us further away from God. And uh, so this weekend was a, a, a chance to get together with brothers and sisters in Christ and actually work through, um, not checklists so much, but uh, uh, recounting our, our past and, and going through and seeing the areas that uh, we fall short and confessing those before God and before brothers and sisters of Christ in, in small, small groups um, and then um, um, receiving forgiveness from God for that not that we haven't received that already but there are a lot of things that creep into our lives that we need to recognize and admit before God and before others so we were in small groups with, uh, uh, I was with another couple of guys, and uh, the things that came out in prayer and confession were really quite amazing, um, where people were recounting things from the past, where they had not forgiven people for the wrongs done to them as well. There were things like uh, generational sins that may have been committed by grandparents, and it was a chance to offer those up before God, put them on the cross, and receive that forgiveness and recognize that um, that we were we need to gain that freedom to be able to um, to operate as citizens of the kingdom of God in, in freedom and in, in happiness and, in, and uh, without all the baggage that keeps us from running the race properly so uh, one of the, uh, the amazing um, uh, stories that uh, one of the guys we called, he was a firefighter actually, and had a, four, four kids, strong guy. He talked about being the smallest guy in high school and being followed into the bathroom at one time, and then a couple of kids laid a beating on him with drumsticks, and he was there crying. This is something that he burst out crying about when we were in our little groups. He remembered the names of the people who did that to him. And he was able to forgive them. He was holding on to a lot of resentment for stuff that was happening. And part of the exercise was to ask, ask Jesus where he was during that time. And he recalled very vividly uh, being told by God that I was right there beside you. 
was holding against the other people who had wronged him. And uh, it, it keeps us from running the race well as well. So uh, um, for me, it was uh, a chance to um, get straight with God, before God and before man, with some of the things that had haunted me from the past, naming them, confessing them, being very particular, and, and uh, offering them up before God and walking away quite transformed. And with that, the release that you feel from dropping anchor and, and floating away freely. So it was really amazing, and God is continuing to work amongst the people who had uh, participated in the encounter weekend. And I think it's something that we could perhaps uh, use at Elam as well, in terms of um, um, giving us a level of playing field before God and, and really working on what is holding us back from being all that we can be as Elam Chapel. So again, thanks for this opportunity. Lawrence, thank you very much. <clears throat> when I was uh, about 13 or 14, uh, I was at a youth event where I saw a demonstration with a chicken that has stuck in my memory ever since. I grew up in the country, so livestock was readily available. And some speaker wanted to make his point. He brought in a chicken doing what chickens are kind of fluttering around in front of a bunch of teenagers. He laid that chicken down on the stage and he covered up the chicken's eyes with a towel and the chicken just went flat like that. Didn't, didn't move at all. And then, this is the amazing part, he took the towel off the chicken's eyes and the chicken just stayed there still. It was like immobilized. Chicken, you know, really, seriously. I'd be able to turn around, or whatever, and, and it even had its head attached, you know. So it was, you know, it was, it was, it was immobilized. And the speaker made this point that we can be so stuck in our ways and pronounced free in Christ, free as Jesus has set us free, but still living as if we're still in jail. And that's a little bit what Lawrence was saying, that, that the process he and some other folks from Elon Chapel went through um, at the Encounter God weekend, it, it's all about helping people live out the freedom that they've already been given, right? Some folks struggle with this. That's why we have halfway houses for, for people who are transitioning, especially out of long-term incarceration, because when your schedule is rigidly controlled and you're living literally behind bars, it, it's really disconcerting to be suddenly out on the street and you're not sure what's going to happen next. Or a classic example, uh, I, should, I don't want to alarm you parents of, of high school students, but typically first-year university students, if they go away from home, they just kick over the traces and go, woo, nobody to make me go to class, I had nobody to tell me when to go to bed, and when to get up, and that goes well into the first semester or so, and crash, reality hits. Uh, my first year of university, I failed both, I had two math courses, and I failed both of them at Christmas time, but I pulled it up, I scraped up to a C, but I had to learn the hard way uh, how to manage that freedom that I had all of a sudden uh, living on my own for the first time. So, um, living free 
can be a real challenge. And, and um, the passage that was read to us, I'm not going to go over it all this morning, I've got it here, but it just reminds us that um, we're called to live free in Christ. Jesus has set us free from sin, from all the stuff that drags us down, but it's hard for us to uh, actually put that into practice and to live that out. Jesus does not call us. Let, I, maybe I should just review the, the themes of the book of Galatians before I continue. Remember the issue is gospel versus legalism, right? Gospel uh, being the free gift of God to be accepted and adopted into God's family and legalism is a way of working our way into God's good books. So the gospel operates like this. We believe. And by the way, when we say we believe, it's not intellectual assent. 30 years ago, I thought, I don't know how she said yes, but he went and said yes. And 30 years ago, we got married. 30 years ago uh, tomorrow. Now, um, intellectually, I knew, wow, she's a great catch. I am marrying up. Definitely. But there also needs to be, there is a point at the wedding where you have to say, I do. So believing in this sense is not just an intellectual assent. Boy, that person would be a good spouse. There's also what we would call a volitional part of that, saying, okay, I do. And being married means you keep saying, I do, every day. Maybe every minute, you know, I do, I do, I do, okay? So when we say believe, it's not just intellectual sin, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. No, the confession is Jesus is Lord, which means he is now my boss. And he gives me a marching order for life, okay? Just wanted to clarify that. So the gospel order, the way things happen, we believe God accepts us totally, without any reservation, okay? And then, out of that, Loving, uh, out of response to his love, we say, okay, God, you're the boss. Whatever you do, I'll do it. We obey. Legalism gets things turned around. It says, okay, it's good that you say you're a Christian. That's good. Now, here's a list of rules. Here's how you get into God's good books. And then, maybe God will accept you. You see how weird that is? How backwards? How unhealthy that is? That's what Paul was ranting against in Galatians. And I don't know if you picked it up, but in the passage that was read this morning, the translation was um, politically correct. But that last verse, he was just ranting against people who wanted to come in and tell the Galatian Christians to be really good Christians is Jesus plus something. Jesus plus circumcision. Okay? And he got so angry because People are saying, man, if, you had, if it's Jesus plus something else to be a Christian, to be in God's family, then why did Jesus bother dying in the first place? It's a whole waste of time. And he was so curious at this. Now, I'm wondering, I'm curious to see if any of us have our thinking caps on this morning. Get a little nervous because I'm going to ask you for some input. We may have talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But what do you think, in, in 2014, the church still struggles with legalism, right? We still struggle with 
performance-based religion. We still figure that I have to do these things to get God to accept me, even though He totally accepts us already. This is mind-boggling. Brother Fritz, I want to tell you something in the name of Jesus. God cannot love you any more than He loves you right now. And the same is for Rich and Sylvia and everybody else over there. I'm not going to pick you up Saturday with my names, but God cannot love us possibly any more than He loves us right now. Just let that sink in. Okay? So it's not about doing stuff to earn His love. Many of us have grown up in families <laughs> where performance and outward appearance was everything. And that's human nature, okay? There's no point in, there's, it's not helpful to point the finger of blame with parents or whatever, or society. It's just the way things are, often. So we get rewarded based on performance. If you're a good kid in the store, we'll give you a free cookie, or whatever. Or, you know, I read about a, a family in Calgary a couple of weeks ago that actually got $5 off the restaurant bill because the kids were so well-behaved. <laughs> Posted it on Reddit. I thought, oh, there's an incentive. I go back to that restaurant. Why? Because we need the five bucks. <laughs> so, you know, so it's, it's, our society tends to be performance based. But when that spreads into the church, when that spreads into God's family, we get things out of whack. And that's where this legalism problem comes from. But God cannot possibly love us any more than how he loves us today. We might become aware of how much more God loves us. And that's great. That's, that means Holy Spirit is connecting with our spirit and revealing the spirit of our of adoption that Abba, our Papa God, has put in our hearts. We might become more aware of it, but God absolutely accepts us and loves us if we've said that Jesus is Lord and our fault. Now, think about that for a minute. Can we think of 2014 equivalent of circumcision? The old way of doing things, or, or performance-based religions. How, how do we evaluate ourselves and evaluate other people? Am I meeting the mark as a Christian? Am I being good enough? What kind of things do people get caught up in? Any ideas? How well they know the Bible, yeah, right? Yeah. Get a verse for everything. And it's good to know the content of the Bible, but it's what you do with it, right? Okay. Yeah. Service. Service? Okay, yeah. I do all these things for God. And great. But it's the underlying motive, right? It's it's the heart. God's after the heart. What else? Can you, how much you give? I was watching you, just kidding. Yeah, yeah how much you give, right? Yeah. How pious, yes. Shannon, you're doing a good job of just being Shannon today. That's good. Yeah, but how pious you here. You're, or if you use the right 
Christian lingo or whatever. Yeah? Baptism. How about it? What, what about that? Let's unpack this. If you compare it to circumcision, where you have to be baptized before, before you can be saved, or part of it, right? Right, yeah. So we can get, we're having a baptism party in a couple of weeks. So, so where does baptism start, fit in, you know? Um, you could get baptized just for the sake of appearances, or because you're supposed to, or whatever, or is it a heart response and saying, okay, this is my perfect way of, you know, coming out and saying, I follow Jesus. By the way, I was thinking, you know, baptism is not an end point. It's not da-da-da-da-da, okay, now I'm baptized, now I'm in. Baptism, getting baptized, is really like the starting line of following Jesus. You know, so it's not a finish line. It's more like a, a launching pad into a lifetime of following Jesus. Anything else? What else do you think? Uh, singing the Lord. Pardon? Singing the Lord. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that could be it. Maybe just the people you hang out with. So. Yeah, maybe the people you hang out with. Yeah. Because um, people have expectations and we want to fit in. With We look around and think, well, or they dress that way, so I guess I better fit in. And I've had people... Uh, here at the chapel, uh, talked to me about the dress code that was here decades ago. And, um, you know, there can be pressure to look a certain way or fit in in a certain way. And that's, it's all about the heart. God looks on the inside. That's what he's interested in. And that's what Paul is trying to get across. In fact, he says, uh, I'm just going to go back here. See the last line up here in the slide? What is important is faith expressing itself in love. And that's really the heart of this passage that we're looking at. That's really what, what counts. That's really, you could sum up the book of Galatians pretty much that way. Do you remember how the law, the Old Testament law, was like um, the rope that little kids hang on to, daycare kids get safely back and forth? That was the purpose of the law. But eventually, these kids in this picture will grow up and hopefully become responsible adults, and they won't need to grab onto the rope to get around anymore, right? Hopefully. And if we're maturing and growing in Jesus, and now we have Holy Spirit living within us, He can teach us how to live freely and do the right things for the right reasons. You see, legalism is doing the right things for the wrong reasons, right? Doing, doing the right things to get God to like me, to fit in, to, for peer pressure, whatever but to do the right things for the right reasons. That's what Jesus wants to see happen in our lives. Jesus does not call us to outward compliance to a religious code. Sometimes I get people asking me this question, how do you practice your religion? I practice my religion this way. How do you practice your religion? I kind of scratch my head as I'm thinking, well, you might call it a religion, but me it's more like a <coughs> friendship. I just try to hang out with God and listen to Him, and I talk to Him, and He talks to me, and it's a friendship, and 
That's really what it is. So Jesus does not call us into outward compliance to a religious code. Jesus calls us to a life of faith expressing itself in love. Now this is risky. Because it means letting go of the rope, letting go of the legalistic rope. And instead of an external guidance system saying, this is the way you must behave at all times, some external code, all of a sudden, God's law is written on our hearts internally, and the Holy Spirit is guiding it, and we have an internal guidance system. And that's risky. It's dangerous. The free life is very dangerous and risky, but it's fulfilling and exciting in the way God designed us to be. In the next couple of weeks, I'll be talking about how to live freely, how do we cultivate a relationship with this internal guidance system of the Holy Spirit, how He can guide us and fill us with wisdom and power for everyday life, and how God wants to transform us from the inside out. But this morning, I just want to reassure you that Jesus does not call us to outward compliance to some religious code. He calls us to a life of faith, expressing itself in love. Now think about that. Because I have no idea where you folks are at with Jesus. I, I can guess, but I might be wrong. But I want to reassure you that it's not about keeping some kind of external it's all about the heart stuff. Even the way we approach communion this morning, we could do it because it's just a communion Sunday and we just do it and pass it out and, uh-oh, someone's not taking communion, they must be sitting, uh, what's going on? I wonder what, you know, we start judging each other and observing each other. And... Paul says, you know what, the only thing that counts is a life of faith expressing itself in love, right? I have faith in Jesus that somehow through his death, I am good enough to be in God's family. It's not about me. And out of a sense of gratitude, I'm able to love other people, especially people who rub me the wrong way. That's pretty miraculous that I can do that. But Jesus helps me do that. So this morning, as we approach communion, I want us to think about the fact that we're not doing this because it's, we're practicing a religion. We're doing this out of a sense of gratitude, saying, thank you, Lord, for this reminder that you set me free from all the junk like Lawrence was talking about. And you're helping me to walk free. And by the way, if there's anything that's dragging you down, this is a great opportunity to deal with it. After we finish communion, uh, I'm going to invite the elders and spouses to be hanging out around. And after the service, if you feel like God's been tugging at your heart or doing something or saying something to you, if there's something you'd like to pray about with somebody confidentially, and in a non-judgmental conversation, I'd invite you to do that. Hang out after. I'd ask, I'd ask Ken today to hold off on the regular awesome organ postlude, and we're just going to have some quiet 
worship music appear just to kind of facilitate that atmosphere. So come and pray, and we'll all have anniversary cake later, okay? But after, after we have celebrate the Lord's Supper and communion together, I really invite you to come and pray. It might be for healing, it might be for healing for yourself or somebody else, or something you just want to get off your chest and clear up with God. Why go through life dragging stuff along with you when you could leave it here at the cross? Do you have to go forward? No. Do you got to? Yes. So keep that in mind. I'm going to invite the servers up, please. The folks who are going to assist in uh, convening, please. And uh, we'll be together. You remember, of course, that there's really important symbolism in communion, right? The bread represents Jesus' body, and the cup that we share represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us. This is not something this is a gift. It's a beautiful symbol of God's kindness to us. And so, as we take it today, as we share this a meal, it's not a full of buffet, per se. It's, many of us will be going to later today, maybe. But it represents kind of like a spiritual feast. It says, wow, you know, Jesus wants to change me from the inside out. He wants to transform me into a different person, a better person, the, the person I was created to be. And as we're taking it, Lord, what's holding me back? What, what, is there stuff I'm hanging on to that I should be letting go? Wretches, or addictions, or fears, or stuff. I don't know, you label it. You name it. You and God know what it is. Maybe if you're not even sure what it is, the Holy Spirit can point it up to you in the next few minutes. And as we do this together, just ask Him to give you that gift of faith to believe that He actually will begin to change you. And if you think it will be helpful, please feel free to come up with prayer afterwards. So let's, uh, let's bless the uh, cup and the bread and we'll uh, distribute them Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless this bread and bless this cup. Thank you that you have offered your body and your blood for us so we could be changed and cleaned up and made whole and adopted fully into God's family. As your children, we pray that Holy Spirit would Heal himself powerfully to us, and that he would move among us and heal us. In Jesus' name, amen.